this is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Maximus Hunter. And I'm your other host, Ren Wadsworth. On today's shows, we're going to delve into a little bit about what's going on at sports here at CSU with Dixon, our cool sports dude. After that, we're going to go right into local news with our reporter, Coda Babcock, and then our interview with Waylon Judson about some wax reusable bags. Or a plastic wrap, yeah. It's called Humble Shapes. After that, we're going to have our campus news with our reporter, Rylan, and we're going to be getting a phone call from Ramsey Pierce, uh, who works at Love Your Brain Yoga, a yoga community for people with traumatic brain injuries. And then we're going to wrap up the show as we usually do with our National Day news and our weather. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Uh, you can find it all on our website, kcsufm.com. If there's any part you want to listen to but you can't, it'll all be up there pretty soon after the show's done. Um, in the meantime, we do have a question for our listeners. Uh, what ways do you think that you could be more sustainable or you'd like to see the world be more sustainable? If you have an answer for that and how we could have a more sustainable world, text it into 970-491-KCSU. That's 970-491-5278, and we'll definitely bring it up to Waylon from Humble Shapes when we talk to him. But right now, Dixon, what's going on hey. in sports? Uh, well, it was a tough weekend um, for the volleyball team as well as the football team. Had a pretty major change, so I guess we'll dive into both of those. Starting off with the volleyball team, they had the round one of the 2019 NCAA Volleyball Championship. Uh, they were in Seattle playing against South Carolina, um, and it unfortunately they lost in five sets, three to two. Um, South Carolina came right out the gate, challenged uh, Colorado State, pushed the first set to overtime, and was able to win that one, 27-25. Uh, but then the CSU Rams, they responded very well, coming back, winning a set of their own. And then it went back and forth all the way up until the last set um, where South Carolina once again pushed OT and was able to uh, get the two-point advantage on the Rams for the win. But what's crazy for me is that CSU led every single category in this game. They had more points. They had more kills, aces, blocks, assists, digs. Um, and the other thing that they had the most were errors, and that's where the team kind of killed themselves. Um, looking at some of the leaders, Brianna Reynolds had 24 kills on the day, Jessica Jackson 15, Christy Hillier 14. Um, but then we also had some big block numbers from uh, Christy Hillier. She had eight, Olivia Nicholson coming up with four. She normally plays in the back line, so kind of cool to see her up front. Um, but other than that, it, it's tough for the six seniors that we're going to be losing, you know, that being their last game. But you got to give it to South Carolina. They came out and played, at the end of the day, a way better game. Um, and so I didn't really check to see even the second round because after CSU went out, I don't really I don't really care. Hurts my heart. <laughs> Hurts my heart to even talk about it. Uh, but either way, uh, next up we're going to talk about Mike Bobo. He got let go from the football team, and there are already a couple of reports have come out for some replacements. Oh, really? Uh, one of those being Butch Jones. He is currently an offensive analyst for the University of Alabama. Um, he has had three head coaching positions. Um, at Central Michigan University from 2007 to 09, the University of Cincinnati from 2010 to 12, uh, and then the University of Tennessee from 2013 to 2017. Um, so he's got a pretty good resume behind him. Coming from Alabama certainly helps. And then the other one is Kevin Wilson. Um, he is currently an offensive coordinator at Ohio State University, and he served as the head coach at uh, Indiana State University from 2011 to 2016, and then he was the O coordinator for Oklahoma uh, from 2002 to 2010. So uh, those are the only two names I got right now. What are your guys' thoughts on Bobo uh, being let go from the team? So I know uh, a big reason that he, he ended up settling and deciding to step down was that he wasn't driving enough fan support 
And so yeah, I, well, let's not act like he had you know a ton of support from really anyone here at CSU. Everyone <laughs> wanted him gone this year. I as much as yeah. I would like to come to his defense, uh, I'm even kind of upset about a few people who all year they were like, oh, let's fire Bobo, and then as soon as he got left, they're like, he's a great coach. We're gonna we're miss, gonna him. miss <laughs> him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, eh. well, so. I'm just thinking, so whoever's next has to be able to drive that kind of fan support and has to really kind of put some of the passion back into the Rams. And so uh, I don't, you know, I, I hope that both of these coaches are being scouted because they're good at driving that fan support. Because I think, you know, we could have the best team in the world, but unless we fill the stands and mm-hmm. we have the real support, they're, you know, they're going to play subpar. Yeah. I've always had the belief that um, if you are willing to spend that much money on a football team, especially making a new stadium for us, we really need to be filling those stands. We need to be drawing in that revenue back, which we're not doing. So hopefully we're getting a coach that's going to be able to do that because um, if we're going to spend that much money on a brand new stadium that's that central in our campus, I think that we need to have a better coach, have a better football team. Yeah. I also think that it's really important for the players themselves to bring in that fan support, too. It's not just on the coach, either. Yeah, and, you know, looking at both of these kind of candidates, or at least a couple of names that have come out so far, um, you know, there's nothing too, I guess, impressive about either of them. They've definitely coached at bigger schools against really good, you know, tough D1 opponents. So maybe that kind of a mindset coming in would be a good culture change. But I also wouldn't mind seeing someone from within the coaching organization already because I, hands down, have loved the schemes and, and everything the other coaches, I guess, have been doing this year. Um, because, like, my biggest example, we played Boise State like, you know, they were just another uh, Mountain West team, even though they were ranked at the time. And that was the players had a part to do with it but the rest of those coaches also helped so you know maybe having someone from within the organization may not be as bad of an idea wouldn't have spent as much money either in my opinion oh that's definitely true you could save a little money and i mean they just bought out bobo so yeah they, they could use we don't it. have any money we're yeah. out of the money <laughs> right it's the opposite of we're in the money that second coach you're talking about i know they were uh theorizing that someone they were thinking as being mike bobo's replacement was a csu alum is that that second coach from ohio um so neither of the coaches that at least i saw in both the reports from um like the denver post today neither of them played at csu okay um and, but i you know maybe maybe there's another coach unless you knew his name i can't i don't really know who you're talking about okay. unfortunately but i mean other than that um first off i just like to say you know i'm Unfortunate loss for the level team, but congratulations to all of them. They deserve huge credit for what they did. They oh, yeah, still they were Mountain West champions. Had an amazing season. Uh, but other than that, yeah, that's that's kind of the sports cap. Basketball right is full under or full underway, and we'll get that next week. Right on. Well, thanks, cool sports dude, yeah. Dixon. I, I did have. Uh, oh yeah, I did me. have one quick uh, one quick question for you oh, related to campus yeah. sports. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. What do you think about Drew Locke? All right, listen. <laughs> yeah. Next Peyton man. I mean. It's it's a little early to tell, nope. but Listen, I'm, I'm about it. I'm all about having those hot takes just coming out. He's played two games, and the Broncos haven't played this good this season. It, at so all. At all. If nothing else, uh, he's going to help us maybe not be the worst team in the NFL <laughs> coming late into the draft. So I, I'm just happy to see him having some success. They just you know really laid a whooping on Houston, which oh, was they impressive. Did. They really did. I hope Houston's Joe Flacco really is sitting at home eating his hey, Ben and Jerry's hey, hey. and I no, mean, <laughs> I've never had any like negative feelings towards Joe Flacco. I thought it was great for what he was doing. No, he, he was he was didn't he work was out. What are you he didn't do? didn't quite hit it off with the coaching team. Nah, it happens. 
I'm really psyched about Drew Locke, though. What do you think about he's got those? He's already got two interceptions on him in two games, though. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, I think that he hasn't had a snap. At the That's end true. of the day, these are some of his first NFL true, real game snaps. That's true. And That's you're, you're going to make mistakes. That's uh, and he's doing amazing for yeah. being so new. He's doing really amazing. At the end of the day, my look at it is if you get the win, no matter how you do it, doesn't matter that week. You can always come back with a new look next week. You know, stats are just, you know, something to be looked at. They're not really as important as people make them. And the team's loving the kid. Oh, yeah. Hey, at the end of the day, the O-line, they want to block for him, and that's yeah. huge because when you have an O-line that doesn't want to block for you, you get ran over a, <laughs> a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, right on. Thank you, Dixon. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to head right into our local news with Coda, but before we do that, we wanted to ask that question once again to you, and that is, if you could be more sustainable, how would you? We got a question in here, or we got a response in, but we're going to save that with our interview with Raylan Jepson, which is coming up right after the break. But, Coda, you have a little bit of news for us. I do. All right, so I'm Coda Babcock, and this is your local news for Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. This weekend, Fort Collins couples helped to break the Guinness World Records for most couples kissing under the mistletoe. This lucky attempt was a joint effort between Fort Collins, Colorado, Merrimack, New Hampshire, and St. Louis, Missouri, through three different locations of the Anheuser-Busch uh, Beer Garden. 224 couples kissed in Fort Collins, 480 in St. Louis, and 192 in Merrimack, making a total of 896 kissing couples. The Guinness World Record was broken by the Beer Garden with the past record at 839. The City of Fort Collins wants to remind residents of the support offered by the Payment Assistance Fund. The Payment Assistance Fund, or PAF, helps to pay utility bills for residents in need throughout our city to prevent non-payment shutoffs caused by higher-than-usual bills. The PIF is an emergency assistance program for citizens with past due balances on their utility account. There are a variety of types of people applying for this emergency support, such as retirees facing crises, families with unexpected expenses, and people getting back on their feet following a medical emergency. Donations to this program are matched dollar for dollar by the Energy Outreach, by Energy Outreach Colorado, and all the donations help to assist families and individuals in the community. To donate, you can visit fcgov.com slash PAF or call 970-212-2900. And to apply for assistance, you can visit fcgov.com slash payment dash assistance. A Loveland fire on West 8th Street sent two people to the hospital this morning. Two alarms went off at a building near West 8th Street and North Van Buren around 2 a.m. Firefighters rescued one person and then took them to the hospital in unknown condition. A second person was taken to the hospital by ambulance for evaluation. No firefighters were hurt, and the cause of the fire is not yet known. The fire is currently under control, and earlier, earlier in the day, crews were handling the remaining hotspots. A 29-year-old Fort Collins woman died this Sunday in an avalanche while backcountry skiing in northern Colorado. The victim has recently been, been identified as Michelle Lindsay. She was from Alaska and moved to Fort Collins in 2013, working as a dental hygienist and a Zumba instructor. Her death was the first avalanche death this season, and it occurred around 2.45 p.m. near Cameron Pass. She was skiing with friends when the avalanche occurred. When those who she'd gone skiing with found her and helped to dig her out, she was no longer breathing. The sheriff's office said that she was declared dead at the scene. The avalanche was a two, two or three feet deep and around 500 feet vertically. I'm Coda Babcock, and that was your local news on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you. Oh, sorry. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. <laughs> Thank you so much, Coda. <laughs> of course. Right on. Uh, we actually have some breaking sports news. <laughs> breaking news. Breaking news. So for any actual Mike or Coach Bobo fans out there, uh, he's already been hired by South Carolina's football program. 
Um, so, you know, he is now the head coach of South Carolina, their football team, the one we just lost to in the playoffs, which I think is kind of weird. Congratulations uh, to Coach Bobo and yeah. South Carolina. Good what luck. an interesting coincidence. I, you know, I, yeah, now with the whole mutual let go, it's like, hmm, makes a little more sense. I think he had a couple of offers. Uh, he, yeah, he probably saw that. Those are all speculations. Don't quote me. Also, um, rip Juice World. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that as well. So I just wanted to say that because yep. he's dear to my heart. Yeah, no, that was uh, very sad. All right, um, <laughs> we're going to go on a break, and we come back from the break. We're going to be talking with Waylon Jepson from Humble Shapes, which is in a sustainable alternative plastic wrap. But before we go, we would love to ask that question one more time. That question is, um, how do you think you could be more sustainable? How do you think others could help build a more sustainable world? And you can text in your answers to 970-491-KCSU. That's 970-491-5278. And uh, we will be right back. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Max Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we just heard from Coda Babcock a little bit about local news and from Dixon Lawson with some sports. But we are joined in studio with Waylon Judson. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi KSU. Um, <laughs> my name's Waylon. I'm a student here at CSU, just finishing my degree in mathematics and starting my master's in computer science next semester. Awesome. Thanks, Waylon. Uh, before we get started with the interview, we're just going to send out our question to listeners one more time. How would you think you could be better about sustainability, and how do you think the world around you could be better about sustainability? Uh, text in those answers to 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. And we will uh, we'll talk to Waylon about them. Should be, a, should be a good time. Alrighty. To kick things off, do you want to tell us a little bit about Humble Shapes? Sure, sure, yeah. So about, I think it was back in May, I, being a student of mathematics, I really love uh, kind of dealing with data sets and data analytics, so I started doing a lot of like keyword research. And to me, I've always known like I really love business and entrepreneur, and I think that really comes with like solving problems. It's really fulfilling to solve problems and to see like your innovations used to solve problems. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just doing keyword research. Um, and I would analyze different marketplaces for different keywords and the demand on products under different keywords and the competition of products under different keywords. I found a lot of like really valuable data. I'm sure there's a lot of really viable uh, markets for people to enter. Um, but I started thinking to myself like, oh, like I really want to feel good about this. You know, I don't want to just like manufacture like more cheap plastic for the world. And so I ended up starting angling towards sustainability and making sustainable products more accessible. Um, since then, uh, there's been a huge branding and birth of what is now like Humble Shapes. And it's still quite young. I still have so much work to do, but it's been a really awesome learning experience. And I've had some incredible success working with community members. And I hope to be able to have a really big net positive impact on the world and the environment when it comes to sustainability. Awesome. So Humble Shapes is a alternative to plastic wrap. Uh, could you explain how it works? The product? Yeah. Yeah. So we currently distribute one product that we have designed. It's um, 
uh, beeswax plastic wrap. So it's made with three different ingredients. It's beeswax, uh, tree resin, and linen cloth. Um, and what you do is, since the wax is malleable under different temperatures and it creates an airtight seal, you can use it to put over different containers to preserve your food. Similarly, what you would use plastic wrap for um, and saran wrap. I use it to make my avocados last or like if I have some fruit I don't want to go bad, I, I use it like there. So there's a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of different uh, plastic alternative products that have so much potential, I, I think this one's like totally awesome. It is biodegradable, reusable, washable. You definitely got to be careful. You don't want to run it through your dishwasher though, because you know, beeswax will melt under hot temperatures. So, um, but yeah, it's a little bit about the product. Right on. And uh, where do you, where do you get the wax from? Where do you make them? Yeah. So I was doing a lot of different um, prototyping and I eventually started working with a contract manufacturer um, and that's a very big learning process and I had to figure out different ways to communicate there. Um, but yeah, I have my, uh, my wax wraps manufactured and then sent to fulfillment centers to automate uh, shipping and delivery. Um, and all of this is uh, <laughs> the processes I decided to do for building my business because I feel like there's a lot of value in automation. And I also feel business owners have to assume more of a responsibility when uh, things come to sustainability because they have more of an impact than consumers do. So you said that the wraps were reusable. Is there a limit on that since they're also biodegradable? Yeah, on average, they'll last to six months to a year, depending on how rigorous they are being used. Um, if you aren't going to use them for a while, you can also throw them in the freezer, uh, extend their lifespan that way. Right on. Um, so I want to throw back to something you mentioned a second ago, which I think is a really big discussion nowadays, and it's just kind of starting to come to people's attention, is the responsibility of the producer versus the consumer in sustainability. Sure. And um, I think kind of the, the general assumption in our society is that the consumer is responsible for how sustainable they are. But recently, I feel like there's been some stronger pushback that no, the, the producers of these products and, you know, companies that create products that we use need to be responsible for how sustainably we can use them. Uh, did that inspi help inspire you to do what you do? And what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I think there's a uh, very, very complicated uh, ways um, in how that's important. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to be sustainable um, regarding like ethical consumerism. I think ideally like we all use like very, very little, you know, um, but we are in like a very rampant uh, capitalist world right now. Um, so maybe in order to help meet that, instead of continuing to mass produce plastic products, we could maybe produce products that will biodegrade. Um, living in this like capitalism, you know, um, and I think uh, businesses do have more of a responsibility, but I think consumers do have a power to be able to vote with their dollar, you know, and it's it's hard, you know, it, it's easy to feel helpless when it comes to sustainability as a person because fighting climate change and working towards a more sustainable world is not something that any one person or one business, even the biggest of corporations, is going to be able to accomplish on their own. And 
and exploring this, it's become like really, really, really important to me to build uh, uh, communities and raise discussion around sustainability and just uh, have have the conversation, you know, um, because together there can be a much bigger impact. Uh, it's net positive. So along those lines, do you personally think that um, American culture strives for cleanliness and almost sanitation over sustainability? Because that's where a lot of the plastic comes from, is that people are worried that their food isn't being uh, sanitized correctly and that it's going to be touching other things. Sure. Um, I don't think those are necessarily mutually exclusive. I think that uh, it's totally possible to be like uh, clean and uplifted and still uh, have sustainable practices. Um, I think that we have definitely uh, been like as a society geared towards like oh like more is better, buy buy buy, consume, consume, consume. Like social media is a perfect example of something that's like kind of polarizing in the sense that it's really bad for mental health to always see like the best parts of everybody else's live and then harshly criticize yourself. Um, and so social media, I always say, is like really bad for mental health, but really good for business. And so society kind of like progresses as like things that are good for business, not necessarily good overall. Um, and I think people are starting to realize that. And I think there are great progress being made. I think there is a, a big demand for sustainable products now, which is awesome. Um, I think like uh, people being conscious consumers and uh, being like having more opinions on like how they choose what they eat and where their food comes from and of course it's very difficult to like do every single thing to be sustainable but if bit by bit we can all kind of begin to like be more mindful and more conscious of what we're consuming uh, I think it really does work its way up the supply chain and have its effect on on the bigger corporations um, but it does take time you know like the biggest learning experience for me is patience because uh, building a business takes time and <laughs> I I'm, I'm have to be patient with myself and making change takes time. Absolutely. It takes focus. Um, so we're going to go back to talking about Humble Shapes, but just real quick, I wanted to ask you about some of these texts we got in. Sure. Uh, a listener named Charlie texted in a few ways that both they themselves and the world could be more sustainable. I just wanted to know what your thoughts on these were. So the ways the world could be more sustainable is, um, and I actually, I actually don't know what this first one means, but grid greening. Um, what does, does it any, say? Grid greening? Grid greening. Does anyone in the studio know what that means? I am not the person to ask, but I don't um, think so. I can look it up and we can come back All to right, we'll come back to that one. Uh, vegetarian diet. Do you think that switching to a vegetarian diet and people, more people switching to a vegetarian diet is good for sustainability? Yeah, uh, I think I think being vegetarian is really great for sustainability. I think that there are a lot of um, problems with uh, meat industries and their sustainable practices. Um, that doesn't mean like all uh, meat is bad. Um, uh, there's definitely like two different sides to this conversation, but it, I think it is a, a great way if you're not super attached to meat or at least specifically red meat um, to be more sustainable. Um, or if you do really like eating meat, uh, to really put in the time of effort to like, oh, like maybe work with like a, a glo glo uh, local grass-fed farm or something, you know? Definitely. Um, all right, here's the next one. Water stewardship. How do you think we could be better to the water around us. Oh my God, that's a huge, huge, huge thing to talk about. I remember 
This is funny. I remember when I was in middle school, actually, a long time ago, um, we all did projects on water rights, and we were all thinking and having these conversations. And I think our, our teachers were facilitating some sort of discussion around water and water rights. But big consensus was like, Water is a, a very limited resource, um, and there's actually already, I was just reading, so much microplastic within our water that like we can't even see or feel or touch, and we consume like a silly amount of microplastic, and the health, uh, health restrictions of that are, are terrifying. Um, and totally under-researched, and those consequences are totally ominous, you know? Um, I don't know, it's really, there's so much to talk about there, whether it's um, like a lot of the water from the Colorado Divide gets like pumped all the way to Las Vegas, you know, and like so much of it like gets evaporated just within that. There's aquifers in Southern Colorado that big companies want to get their hands on. Uh, it's, a, it's a big topic, but I think we could definitely be conscious. I take pretty short showers. I try to be as that was actually the next thing I was going to ask efficient. About. <laughs> uh, next thing I was going to ask about. So they they mentioned uh, short showers, diet, and air travel as ways that people can personally be more sustainably um, aware. What do you think? Are there other ways that people can like just in their individual ways take a better care of the world around us? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I think about this a lot kind of subconsciously um, and I actually grew up off grid so maybe that's why um, but growing up you always were super conscious about the amount of electricity you used um, and how long your showers were and how much water you used and I, I think little things like that and diet uh, do end up first of all saving the consumer money because electrical bills and water bills are all things we all have to pay for but also i think are great ways to great small ways to reduce the carbon footprint and yeah i mean we're all not going to be able to do it on ourselves but if we all do like little things every day uh, i think change uh, can happen and we can move towards a more sustainable future we kind of have to <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> Um, so I did look it up, and Charlie, if you're listening, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I just found this on a website, but uh, greening the grid uh, means pushing the total electricity power grid to Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania away from fossil energy like wind, solar, and hydropower, and I assume that's also in other states besides Pennsylvania. Gosh. Totally moving towards more like a, a green electricity. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah. But we... Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think that's a, also a great thing to do. I think there are definitely complications uh, and things to be looked at. Uh, my father grew up being a big solar solar guy, and we lived off solar when we were living off-grid for a long time. Um, and solar is really great, but there's a lot of technological repercussions of technologies of what really, really actually is green. So like producing solar cells is actually very, very energy intensive. Um, and don't quote me on the exact numbers, but the moral of the story is, is it takes a large amount of time, several years for a solar panel to be producing solar energy before it's paid off the energy uh, used to produce it. Now, definitely after a given amount of time, like in the long run, is still a very green option. Uh, but there, there are just things to learn about, you know? Definitely. 
Well, thank you so much, Waylon, for coming in and talking to us about sustainability You're and about welcome. humble shapes. Uh, <laughs> who was that? Somebody's uh, got a Siri. I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, we really appreciate you having uh, coming in and talking to us about this. It's really important stuff. It's really interesting stuff. If people want to learn more about humble shapes and what you do to help promote sustainability and how they could possibly be more sustainable, how could they learn more? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I have a website um, up. It's www.humbleshapes.com um, where we can find the beeswax wraps. And I also try and work in the community and also students to talk about sustainability on this community blog. So if you have sophisticated ideas you want to talk about, I really like being a platform for people to have like a voice and also talk to other business owners about sustainability because I think raising the conversation is like one of the, the most important things. All Absolutely. right. And before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to add about Humble Shapes or about sustainability? Um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. and. I, I think it's really easy to be like hopeless and be like as a consumer or an individual be like oh my god what am I gonna do to freaking uh, uh, be more sustainable or save save the world um, but I, I would encourage people to to work within their communities and and have some more optimism around it because I think people do realize it's important and slowly but surely and I think this has happened with like vegetarianism and veganism the industries do start to change um, so stick with it everybody and also thank you guys so much for having me on the show it means a lot of yeah, course, thank Rylan. you for coming on the show alright after the break we are going to have campus news with Rylan and then after campus news, we are going to be talking to some folks from Love Your Brain Yoga, which is a yoga community that helps people work through traumatic brain injuries. So if you missed any of what we were talking about with Waylon or want to hear any of that, you can check us out on kcsufm.com. And before we do that, we have another question for you guys. We just want to know how you guys relax since we're going to be talking to uh, a yoga institution. Um, so go ahead and text us at 970-491-5278 and let us know how you relax after a stressful day or you take the edge off. All right. We will be right back after the break. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm one of your hosts, Maximus Hunter. And I'm your other host, Ren Wadsworth. We just had an interview with Raylan Jepson with Humble Shapes, a sustainable wrap made from beeswax. Cool stuff. And we're going to move right into some campus news with Rylan. And then after that, we're going to have a, another interview, a phone interview with Ramsey Pierce from Love Your Brain. You want to tell them a little bit more about Love Your Brain, Max? Yeah, Love Your Brain is a uh, yoga community uh, founded by a former pro snowboarder to bring people together with traumatic brain injuries and help them uh, heal together. And it's it's a really beautiful cause, and uh, we'll learn a lot more about it from Ramsey when uh, they call in. But in the meantime, here is Rylan with your campus news. Take it away. Hi, everyone. Um, this is Rylan Todd with your campus news for Tuesday, December 10th. Um, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving is known as Giving Tuesday. This year, Colorado State University proved Rams take care of Rams by taking part in this day-long tradition. The university raised more than $100,000 for Rams Against Hunger, providing 13,352 meals for students in the program. These numbers shattered previous records. 
President Joyce McConnell said, I am proud, but not at all surprised, that so many people pledged their support to CSU on Giving Tuesday. The record-breaking Rams Against Hunger fundraising effort in particular demonstrates how much our campus community cares for our students. I thank everyone who supported CSU on this day of giving and those who support us all year. An anonymous donor granted an additional $25,000 <clears throat> matching gift. The same person has made the donation for the past three years. Organizer of Giving Tuesday campaign for university advancement, Thea Roundsville, said, the impact the Rams Against Hunger has, has for our students in need is so much more than just a meal. It's a way for students to succeed. Nearly 1,900 people contributed on Giving Tuesday to various causes, raising another 44 thousand seven hundred and forty seven dollars for other CSU funds. A group of 17 Colorado State University students have been giving back to the community of Fort Collins. They volunteer at Axis International Academy, a language immersion school assisting the instructors. The students are majoring or minoring in Spanish, French, or Mandarin. Carrie Ann Carlico, co-founder and head of the school, said the help is greatly welcomed. The teachers say any support in the classroom is helpful, especially from someone who knows the language, Carlico explains. The Axis International Academy opened in August on the corner of Horsetooth and Taft Hill Roads. The building was formerly the Global Village Academy, which closed in June. The new school is for kids in preschool through fifth grade who are learning one of the three languages. They have a couple of CSU faculty members on their board of directors. One is Federica Grimm, an associate professor in the Department of Languages, Literatures, and Cultures. At the academy, she runs the Student Volunteer Program. Grimm says that it benefits the CSU students because they learn vocabulary, like shapes and numbers, that, are not, that is not always used at the university. They also hear different accents, dialects, and wording. Alyssa Allen, a fourth-year French major, says the program has definitely provided her with extra practice speaking and writing in French. She said, here at Axis, I'm definitely more forced to speak French because I'm answering questions and explaining things to these kids. I feel a responsibility to know the language as the teacher instead of being a learner at CSU. Sophie Coven, the Axis French instructor Alan has been helping, says the CSU students in the classroom, or having the CSU students in the classroom is invaluable. The Colorado State University social and digital media team is conducting a new experiment on campus. With the help from students Ryan Haynes, Grace Krangle, and Jamie Itershagen, the team has started a new video blog or vlog series. The series called A Ram's Life allows the students to vlog about their experiences at Colorado State University without a forced agenda from the university itself. Each week, the students publish new content to YouTube Prospective students can become familiar with the campus and the culture of Colorado State without ever coming to Fort Collins. The channel launched in April and has generated more than 750,000 video views and 6,705 subscribers. The viewing audience ranges in ages from 13 to 24 years old. According to the social and digital media team, the series is working. The vloggers are starting to get recognized around campus and Prospective students are reaching out to them with personal messages wanting to know more about the university. And that's all for Campus News for today. Awesome. Thank you, Sue. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rylan.
I really love that we have our own uh, group of vloggers at uh, K or at CSU because uh, when I was first looking at going to the school, that was kind of how I uh, got to know what it was like on campus. But it is time for our interview with Ramsey Pierce from Love Your Brain. We've got Ramsey right now calling. Hello, Ramsey. Hello. Hello. Well, in the meantime, uh, why don't you ask that question again, Ren, see if we can... Yeah, absolutely. So since, since we are talking to Love Your Brain, which is a yoga community, and yoga is a way that a lot of students, staff, and honestly, a lot of people have just gotten really into yoga lately um, to relax and rejuvenate and take some time for themselves. We were just wanting to reach out to you and ask you how you relaxed and how you took some time for yourself. So if you have a way to answer that question, go ahead and text us at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And of course, it does not have to be yoga related. That is correct. Ramsey, can you hear us now? Hello? Hmm. All right, we're going to take a quick break but while we, while we try to figure this one out. But stick around for our interview with Ramsey Pierce from Love Your Brain. And we are back with the Rocky Mountain Review. And we are here with Ramsey Pierce. How are you doing, Ramsey? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I am fantastic. So glad we could make this happen. Me as well. All Thanks right. for the callback. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. So let's talk about Love Your Brain for a second. So uh, Love Your Brain, I just watched this short documentary by Lululemon, and I thought it was beautiful. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, how did Love Your Brain come to be, and what is it? So the story of the Love Your Brain Foundation uh, has its roots in a family story about um, a young man named Kevin Pierce, who was training for the Winter Olympics in 2010 as a professional snowboarder. Um, he was beating Sean White, headed to the Olympics, and he sustained a severe traumatic brain injury um, and an accident while he was training. Uh, he was actually treated here in Colorado at Craig Hospital down in Denver. Uh, and after his accident, it ended his professional snowboarding career, and his family really came together and rallied around him during his own healing journey. And through that story and their process together, they realized, how prevalent traumatic brain injury is and how much of a need there is for greater awareness around traumatic brain injury or TBI. Uh, so they started the Love Your Brain Foundation to raise awareness around TBI and to build community programs to support people who have been through this experience. So you talked a little bit about traumatic brain injuries. So what counts as a traumatic brain injury? So a traumatic brain injury is a form of an acquired brain injury, which is a brain injury that is sustained essentially after birth as opposed to something that one is born with. And traumatic brain injury is essentially a type of acquired brain injury that is sustained by some sort of hit to the head. Um, so some sort of blow or force to the head that uh, causes the injury. And uh, at Love Your Brain Foundation, you use yoga to help combat traumatic brain injuries. Uh, how does yoga do that? What's the benefit of using yoga? So what is really incredible about yoga, and I, so I work for the Love Your Brain Foundation, and I'm also a yoga instructor. I've been teaching yoga for about 10 years. And what's really powerful about yoga is that as, a, as an exercise, it 
not just a physical practice. It's something that combines both, obviously, physical movement, which is beneficial for the physical body, but there's also mental and emotional components of the practice, as well as spiritual and um, kind of elements about what it means to be a more compassionate person for yourself and more empathetic person towards other people. So it's really, that's what we say when we talk about yoga being a holistic practice, is that it addresses the whole person. And the reason that that's such a valuable way of healing for someone who's living with a traumatic brain injury is that TBI, brain injury is something that affects also the whole person. It's not just a physical injury. It's not just uh, a mental injury. It really affects someone's being and way of life in many different aspects. And so yoga, therefore, is something that we have found to be a really powerful modality for healing, um, in particular for this type of injury. All right. And who runs these sessions? So we as a foundation uh, are our yoga program. We train yoga teachers and clinicians across the U.S. and Canada, across the world actually, in how to adapt yoga and meditation to be more accessible for TBI. And then through our trainings, uh, we identify yoga studios and also clinical rehab facilities who are working to support people with TBI uh, who we partner with. And those clinical facilities and yoga studios then offer a yoga program for the TBI community all across the U.S. and Canada. So for the yoga program, we have over 50 yoga studios now who are offering a free yoga series. It's a six-week program. It's for anyone who's sustained a TBI, and it's also very importantly for caregivers and loved ones uh, who also really need, you know, support during while they're kind of being the main support for someone who's sustained an injury. So the program is for people with TBI and their caregivers. And uh, we actually have a couple programs here in Colorado. We have one in Fort Collins, up where you all are, and one down here in Denver, where I'm based. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a free program that happens four times, about four times each year uh, across all of our partner locations. Gotcha. And so... For the people people who have a TBI, is the benefit just in the yoga or is it in the community as well? Mm, thank you for asking that question. Uh, the benefit is certainly in the yoga and really uniquely about this program. It's also, so the way the program works is the classes are capped at 13 students and people come together and in the six-week series they do a yoga practice, they, they'll learn some breathing and meditation exercises, and then we also end each of the classes with a 20-minute facilitated group discussion, which is really about giving people the opportunity to meet others who are living or have lived through a similar experience, learn from each other, uh, learn different tools, and really build community with others who have a shared experience. And this is a really important part of the program because isolation is a really common thing that after someone sustains a brain injury, a lot of things can change, and a lot of times people will lose a lot of their community and support uh, after this injury, so kind of combating some of that isolation and bringing people together in community is another really important component of any program that's serving this population. And how far has that community spread? Oh, farther than I really could even know or understand, um, but we have you know, as I shared, the yoga program, we have programs across uh, over nearly 40 states. 
um, and four Canadian provinces. We also run retreat programs across the U.S. And then we also have just a huge kind of online community of people who are sharing their stories and raising awareness about the importance of brain injury prevention and brain health. Um, so the, the community definitely has um, continued to grow and spread in many ways beyond just the yoga program. Awesome. Um, and we're unfortunately going to have to wrap up pretty soon. We're getting to the end of our show here. But uh, I was just wondering real quick if you had uh, just uh, uh, any stories you could tell us from the, uh, from the experiences. So I, one of the pieces that I do as well in my role is uh, support our retreat program. And again, we have uh, week-long or five-day retreats with yoga, nutrition, community building. And through this experience, uh, I have met individuals who, because they have had to kind of redefine and re-understand who they are, have just a tremendous capacity to um, connect in a really meaningful and vulnerable and authentic way with other human beings in a way where, you know, we all are meeting people every day and having conversations. Who are you? What do you do? What, you know, what are your hobbies that, that are important? And what I've learned in my interactions with this community is that there's just this capacity to go to a much deeper and more authentic place, um, simply by nature of having lived through something kind of difficult and that has tested their own grit. And I think that's something that for anyone, it's the challenging experiences that we've lived through that actually brings us closer and gives us the ability to connect with other human beings in a very real way. Uh, and this community is one that just has that as, as a real strength. Um, and it's something that I am just grateful for as I continue to work in the community and, and support it. Beautiful. All right. And is there a website or anywhere that people can learn more about Love Your Brain or TBI? Yeah. So there's we have lots of resources, uh, www.loveyourbrain.com backslash yoga to learn more about the yoga program specifically. But we also, yeah, as I mentioned, we have retreat programs. We have a lot of free resources online for the community. So we have some of our yoga videos and, and free meditations online as well, um, as well, in addition to ways of connecting with other people uh, in the community. So uh, loveyourbrain.com, lots of resources um, that you can find there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Ramsey. All right. Thank you, Ramsey. Yeah, I appreciate it. We do, too. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You, too. Bye-bye. All right, that was Ramsey Pierce from the Love Your Brain Foundation. Really cool uh, mission they're doing, really cool work. If you want to learn more about them, if you missed part of that interview, uh, you can check it out online at kcsufm.com. All of our show will be up there, including um, that interview. You know, all the interviews, we cut them out and make them <laughs> our own separate thing. But uh, in the meantime, we're wrapping up the show here. So what day is it today, Ren? Today is December 10th. We are almost... A quarter of a way through December? I would say that's about a, a quarter. Third. A third. Okay, yeah. a little bit farther than I thought. A third of the way through this December. Uh, December 10th celebrates a system of classification and the man who identified it. December 10th, 1851, is the birthday of Melville Dewey, the inventor of the Dewey Decimal System. The Dewey Decimal System has been used in libraries around the world as a, as a classification system since 1876. 
The system is divided into 10 main categories and mostly arranges nonfiction pieces alphabetically. Even though the system may seem a bit dated, libraries still use it to this day, and it has maintained and kept pace with modern technologies. You know, I think there's no more perfect, like, name from the 1800s than Melville Dewey. Melvin. Melvin? Oh, Melville. Melville, yeah. You're correct. Uh, Dewey Decimal is also a fun thing to say over and over again. Also, it was one of the main plot points in the second-to-last series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, the new series? Or the... Oh, the, the OGs. Okay. The OGs. The, uh, the penultimate peril. Ooh. Oh, man, I remember those like the back of my hand. <laughs> well, today is also National Logger Day. Um, lager, am I saying that correctly? Yes. Okay. <laughs> lager is an alcoholic beverage that is actually classified as the third most popular beverage in the world after water and tea, which surprised me a lot. Uh, lager is typically identified as a light summer beer and is made differently from other beers. Lager is made from a cold conditioning process and bottom fermenting yeast, which sounds delicious. Mm-mm-mm. Um, <laughs> before refrigeration, lager was made by, uh, made by a hole being dug in the ground of an underground cellar, then filled with ice and then allowing the drink to ferment. If you're a broke college student, you most likely drink a lot of lager. Yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce it because I don't think I've ever actually said it out loud or heard anybody say it. I've only read it. Coors is a lager. Oh. Uh, so are I feel like a really lot of things are a lager, but not PBR, identified as it. Cheap beer. Yeah. But lager, lager is delicious. Don't get me wrong. Don't get uh-huh. me wrong. I'm a big proponent of uh, really, really most varieties of beer, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. But, you know, speaking of a summer beer, it's uh, it's not time for a summer beer. No, it is not. It's uh, It's time for the weather. Ooh. I think this weather needs some birds. Yeah, it's not pretty stormy right now. Sounds rough out there. Oh, it's getting better. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. Yesterday, uh, students were in for a surprise. I know I sure was because it began to snow unexpectedly just like a little bit throughout the day. You know, we didn't predict that, but it, it definitely did happen. It didn't really stick to the ground. In fact, it's it's pretty nice out. Today we saw a high of 34 degrees, and last time I checked, it was 34 degrees. A lot of that snow's melting away. It's getting better outside, and tomorrow it's going to rise even more to a high of 45, so uh, we're probably, you know, fingers crossed, it might be a little bit of a, a warmer finals week coming up. We've got, uh, I know everything's getting down to the wire here, but at least you won't have to deal with snow. On Thursday, it's going to keep rising to 48. There's going to be substantial cloud coverage, probably high wind, so it's going to be cold, but hey, you know, you'll be able to drive so it's not all that's always nice being able to drive (laughs) all right well unfortunately i think that is going to be the end of our show yes it is we have some uh some thank yous to give and i don't think we can give our thank yous though starting with damien castile for making the song you're hearing right now man uh the most, I think probably the person with the most excitement ever said in their voice of all time, cumulatively, is Damien Castile at this point. Yeah. We love him. We have to thank our guest, uh, Waylon Jepson from Humble's Humble Shapes and Ramsey Pierce from Love Your Brain. Thank you guys for coming on the show and calling in on the show and just being on the show in general. Oh, yes. Uh, we've got to thank all of our amazing reporters and our cool sports dude, Dixon Lawson. So that's Coda, Rylan. Thank you so much. Yeah, and then we have to thank some people in the studio as well. Yeah, we do. 
Uh, we have to thank Hannah Copeland, Julia Battles, uh, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, uh, Raven Color, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn. Honestly, everybody. Everybody here and their parents for having them. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Ren Wadsworth for... Uh, Who's that? Who is that? <laughs> uh, for every wonderful thing that she does. And making me laugh and having this show with me and just doing this whole thing. It's awesome. I want to thank uh, Max for being on the show and not being on the show, for hosting the show with me. And, and being on the show. And being on the show. He does both. Uh, and he does an amazing job at both and always keeping this show on track. Yeah, thanks. Uh, elevators. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't do this without you, really. And you know what? We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.